I'm Stephen Hunt. Welcome to the Active Performance Podcast, a podcast that gives top global managers and their teams the confidence and power of clarity to grow their international business in innovative ways. This week, remarkable remote work. To make remote working successful in your company, it needs to focus on culture, tools and actions. Let's start this week with a recent story from the New Yorker magazine. It's about medical staff and hospital operations and what a fantastic job they've been doing over the last days and weeks. And what stood out for me in the article is the principles that one medical professional uses. She says this, it's one thing to know what we should be doing, it's another thing to do it. And she goes on to explain, or rather the article goes on to explain that doctors need their people, that's the staff and their patients, to have a desire to keep others safe, not just themselves safe. So the normal culture of an operating theatre in a op- hospital is for doctors and nurses to say, you know, I'm worried I might have a sore throat, so I'm going to stay at home. That's the normal culture of an operating room. And as the doctor says, it's about wanting to never be the person who makes other people ill. What stands out for me is the parallel here between, on the one hand, what doctors are experiencing in hospitals, and on the other hand, what it means to engage staff who are working remotely. Because the best culture for remote working or home working is to think and act with the desire to help colleagues and customers to be productive too. In other words, the whole system will only work if we all behave in the interests of colleagues and customers, not just our own individual needs and interests. Everybody has different challenges. People have childcare challenges. They have slow internet connections. There might not be enough quiet workspace at home. I haven't seen or read or heard about any system that will eliminate all of those challenges because the complexity is too big. Executives have to encourage people to adapt, to be flexible in order to be productive. The key is to focus on the company's CTA. The CTA is the culture, tools and the actions. And there's reliable evidence that the companies who do that, and Google is one example of a company who does that, they enjoy both high performance and they make their employees happy. So where do we start? Well, what's needed at the start is clarity on goals. The best goals, there are actually two. Either you're trying to lower stress for employees or you're trying to raise productivity. These guarantee success. On the other hand, doing it as an excuse to cut costs is short-term success for long-term failure. The goals have to be around productivity and reducing stress for employees. So success indicators should include employee engagement, employee workload and productivity measures. Beyond that, what needs to happen is we need to think about culture, technology and actions. First of all, you need a strong culture. I think when you get to global organisations, there's so many things that you could actually do to create a long list of principles. Well, I've been leading change projects globally and remotely for 20 years, and I've already seen a lot of what works and what doesn't work. So I'm not going to give you a long list, but I am going to give you three to include, or at least consider including, 
if you want to make fantastic remote working cultures. So here's my top three to include. Number one, get managers to increase their appreciation. The magic ratio is three to one. That's three positive comments to one negative comment. This is all science-backed. It's based on a research by a guy called Professor John Goffman, who has been researching relationships for 30 years. Okay, number two, meetings are dialogues. Meetings are not monologues. There are multiple ways to exchange information if you just want to inform people. You can write emails, write documents, presentations, PDF, record voice messages, record video. But meetings are dialogues, so decide whether you need to inform somebody or you want a discussion. If you want a discussion, it's a meeting. And number three, design the dialogues for participation, not for the technology. What do I mean? One company I know uses Skype calls. I think they use it for cost, but why not invest in cameras to make it visual? That would make it far easier for their global teams. It's a classic case of the technology dictating the degree of participation. It should be the other way around. Dialogue should be used for participation and the technology built around it. Which brings us to the second main point, which is technology. And there's three points here too. What type of communication should we prioritize? Quite simple, visual. So the preference should always be for video, video calls, audio, text, and in that order, video, audio, text. Secondly, we have to exchange expectations with remote workers around their preferences for technology. And thirdly, in global teams, we have to make sure it's a level playing field. And a level playing field means all employees have access to the same degree of technology. That means they will feel included. That means they feel valued. They feel relaxed and they contribute more. And finally, we come to three actions you can take to improve remote working. Number one, have a clear process for increasing social capital. And what I mean by that is time after time, companies lose fantastic global talent because they put the responsibility on building relationships on the employee. They put the responsibility to network on the employee. I'm not saying the responsibility should be on the company. What we're saying here, it's two-way. Make it a two-way responsibility. And you can do that by having opt-ins and what I call must-ins. Opt-ins are joint activities. So these are joint virtual breaks. These are drinks at the end of the week. Those are opt-ins. And must-ins are where you push people to connect. So for example, random pairs for breaks. And it works if you give people a little bit of context. This is like bumping into a colleague from work on a bus or bumping into them in the supermarket. Short conversation, five, 10 minutes. It's a random pair that works well. The second action you can take is crucially to focus on outputs, not inputs. Focus on the results, not the activity, because the results are more important than the hours you work. So if somebody needs to go to the doctors as an employee, that's fine, let them go. Lots of people are in offices and they are unavailable all day because they're stuck in meetings. So going to the doctors is fine. Strolling around the shopping center or going to the golf course is not fine, obviously. And people need to be aware of the differences. The third point to make is train managers to look for the warning signs 
of high stress or isolation because these are the precursors to low performance and low performance leads to unhappy employees and it leads to unhappy customers. So I have a clear process for focusing on network and increasing social capital, focus on outputs or results, not the inputs. Train managers to look for the warning signs of high stress or isolation. And as a bonus point here, one thing I always say to people, check in with people throughout the day, but don't control them. It gives your company a culture and a human face. To sum up, I was reading research on Monday that said 70% of jobs in Europe and the US cannot be done remotely. So 70% of people will not be working from home or working remotely. It's only a certain number of jobs, but to make that work, we have to focus on the culture, the tools and the actions. And when we do that, we have a company which is spectacular in its performance, fantastic in the way it thinks about its employees and amazing in the way that it deals with its customers. I'm Stephen Hunt. Thank you for listening. Join me next time for more on how top global managers use confidence and the power of clarity to grow their business. Thank you.